thing. All right, let's get in the message. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Brother Long, would you ask God to bless the preaching this morning, please? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, you all know that I'm as old school as old school gets, right? Okay, that was underwhelming. I thought I've made the point that I'm old school. I believe old school is good school. Uh, I don't like newfangled things, newfangled ways of doing things. I'm tired of watching a generation think they know more than the old people. Uh, It aggravates me. I believe in being old school. I believe in old-time religion. Amen. I don't apologize for that. There's something about old-time religion that's just, I, I can't put my finger on it, man. It's spiritual. Something about going to church when God shows up, man, and when people are actually singing songs, you know, those old hymns. I like the old hymns. Those old hymns. You use a hymn book? Like, yeah. <laughs> You got a great spirit about that. I mean, appreciate the way you said that. Something's really wrong. I mean, can I ask you a question? Why would it offend somebody that you use a hymn book? What's in the spirit of somebody like the old rugged cross, really? Victory in Jesus? I mean, really? It is well with my soul, really? I mean, <laughs> what, what's, what's in the spirit of an individual that says, we guys use hymn books? Yeah? Did you ever open one up and look at the words of the songs? Did you ever sing those songs? You've sung our songs a thousand times. You guys notice how often I pick up a hymn book when we're singing these songs? Just about never. And that's why I'm sitting in the back sometimes and belting it out and I get it wrong. You know what I mean? Because I'm going off my memory and you all look back at me like, what's up, preacher? You know, if you're going to sing that loud, at least know the words. But I got them down 90% or more. I've been singing them my whole life. And I, they still put goosebumps on me, man. I mean, it's still something about those old-time hymns that this newfangled stuff, does, it just doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't do it for me. I mean, it gets your foot going, you know, to get you doing this kind of thing, but that's about all it does. It doesn't even match up to what the world offers when it comes to stuff. You really want something to get you going, go to a good rock concert, man. I mean, you want something really to get your flesh going, get you excited, jump in a mosh pit. Don't look at me like that, like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But nowadays they brought it into the church. It does nothing for my soul. It'll do something for your body, but it does nothing for your soul. It's just shallow. It's just, it's just like, I mean, if you're, if you're about 15, 16, 17, 18 years old and you're male, every once in a while you ought to want a steak. You understand what I'm saying? Do you get what I mean? 
I mean, if you're a male, you understand, ladies, bear with me a second. You'll get some fish or chicken or something like that, you know, some lean meat. But us fellas, every once in a while, don't you want something with a little fat on it, you know? I, well, it's like, it's like dripping into the grill, and it's like flaming up like that, and the fat gets burnt just a little bit, but you cut into it, and it moves, you mm, like that. My, I totally destroyed my poor daughter. She's sitting there with her boyfriend at the time, fiance now, and, you know, it's kind of one of our first little sit-downs together at a restaurant, and we got in there early, got into Florida, and got into the restaurant early and sat down, and I ordered a steak, and, man, I, I put my fork in there. I was feeling mischievous, you know, because she's all like, you know, and I'm like, hey, yeah, like, I care what he thinks, you know what I mean? I put my fork in it, and I got the knife like that, and I started cutting through that thing, and I went, like that's so loud. I mean, I've never done it that well. It was like the Lord was in it, man. I mean, she started dying. Other people are looking in the restaurant like he fell out laughing. I thought, okay, he's going to be all right then. <laughs> Every once in a while, you should want a little bit of meat on the bones. You know what I mean? I mean, something's wrong with you if you're 15 years old and mama's still warming up a bottle for you. You see, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm telling you the newfangled stuff nowadays, that's all it is. It's just, a, it's just a bottle. I like old time. I found in my Bible as I'm reading through there, I come across Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord God, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein. And ye shall be miserable Christians that can't do anything with your life. No, you know what it said? It said, and ye shall find rest for your soul. I mean, I showed you last week how troubled our entire culture is, and it's even impacted the church. How sad everybody is, how messed up Christians are, let alone save people. You know what their answer was? But ye said, we will not walk therein. I don't like this new school mentality. In Acts chapter 17, you can go there and read it later. You don't need to turn there this morning unless you want to double-check me. That's fine with me. But in Acts chapter 17, Paul comes into the, into the town and he sees the city wholly given to idolatry. And in that city, you had the Epicureans and the Stoics. The Epicureans were the, you know, live for today, you know, just have fun. They're more of a hedonistic mentality. It's just like, just have a good time today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and just live your life for yourself. And really, there's no right and wrong. And I don't really think anything's sin unless it's kind of sin to you. My daughter was telling me about witnessing to somebody this week, and the, and the, and the individual said to her, she said, I don't believe in sin. She said, what do you mean you don't believe in sin? She said, I don't believe in sin. I don't think there's any such thing as sin. I think what's wrong for one person might not be wrong for the next. She said, I think it's okay to be gay. My daughter said, really? She said, so there's no such thing as sin, huh? She said, no, I think it's okay to murder. <laughs> Excuse me? I don't believe there's any such thing as sin. You know what that is? That's a culture that said there is no God. Get him out of our face. So I don't want that restraining God. I'm not going to walk in the old ways. Back off of me. And she was wise enough to keep asking the individual questions and wound up getting to the root of the problem. There's something going on in her background. Something tragic. That caused her to be where she is today. And my daughter said, well, listen, if you ever want to know what the Bible actually says about salvation, you can come to me. And left it at that. You know what you live in an entire culture of don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me I'll do it my way. 
Yeah, I'm not going to listen to the old man. He don't know nothing anyhow. Well, if you got that attitude, excuse me, I know you don't, so I'm not attacking you personally. But just in case somebody in here does, you're an idiot. If there's somebody that's already been there, done that, experienced it, and they can give you some of their wisdom, they can give you some of their experience, they can give you some of their knowledge, you wouldn't scoff that up in a heartbeat? I'll figure it out myself. Okay, fool. That's fine. It's, it's a free country. I'm not your enemy. But that, to me, is idiotic. That's the Epicurean's mentality. Just, just whatever feels good, do it. Just live like you want. There's also the Stoics in that town. The Stoics are the stiff upper lip. Just deal with it. Life's tough, but I'm tougher. And they get hard and mean and just keep pushing through and they just take care of themselves and I'm my own man and I'm the captain of my soul. I'm the master of my fate. I'll go down with the ship, but I'll go down standing tall. That's a stoic mentality. Mental toughness, which could be translated hard-hearted. And Paul comes in there and it says, would you go down through the passage? I think it's somewhere around verse 20 in Acts 17, maybe something like that. I don't know, but it's in parentheses. And it says that those, the Athenians spent their time in nothing else other than to hear or to tell some new thing. You guys ever stop and think about the insanity of calling it the news? Yeah. <laughs> why isn't why it the information station? Why isn't it something like that? It's the news. That means it's always got to be new. What, what if nothing happened last night? Do you guys realize that sometimes that's actually what happens? Like nobody got shot in Detroit. I mean, occasionally, probably once in a while, at least once a year, it's got to happen. Like, nope, everybody's still alive that was there yesterday, at least by murder, you know what I mean? Like, how come it's, how come it's always got to be something new? You're wired to want something new. You, the, 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 uh, pardon the hobby horse. Your school, it's, it's new. It's what's new. It's what's new. It's a new picture. It's a new this. It's a new that. I think it's just good sometimes just to have old school. I think old school is good school. I think old school works. I learned when I was a kid to just listen to old school. I'll never forget my grandpa. He was an old school boxer, Italian. He used to tell me, do 20 push-ups. Just sit, just, sit, just stop. 20 push-ups. I was 11 years old when I started. Please don't give me the, that stunted your growth stuff, okay? Because anyways, I've heard that a thousand times already. He'd say, do 20 push-ups till they're easy. <clears throat> then do 22. And once 22 gets easy, do 25. And once 25 gets easy, and he said, just do them every day, every day until they're easy, and then do more. And just do, just do three or four pull-ups until they're really easy, and then do four, then do five, then do, until they're easy. And he said, you'll build a really strong frame, and you'll actually have real power. You'll get to where you're doing 20, 30 chin-ups without stopping, easy, smooth, and you'll do 100 push-ups the right way without stopping before you know it. Guess what? 15 minutes a day, I started at 11 years old. The old man was right. I can't do them 100 anymore, but, you know, I could back then. It's just, just listening to the old man. He just always knew what he was talking about. He'd put me on the punching bag and hit the bag and hit the bag and hit the bag and hit the bag, and he just do it a certain way all the time over and over again. Nope, we'll add more later. Just keep doing this and just nitpick at me, nitpick at me, nitpick at me. Just, teach you, just keep hitting the bag, keep hitting the bag. You know what's funny? All the, all the new school, you know, mentalities. I'll never forget, boy, the first time I let loose on somebody, he had it coming too, man. I hit him, and I hit him as hard as I could, and he bounced off the car behind him and fell back toward me, and I stepped to the side, left hook, boom. I couldn't, he just, boom. 
It was, old, it was just old school. Nothing fancy. You wouldn't look at it and be like, wow, what was that? But boy, there was power in the old school way of doing things. I like old school. Here's the problem. Look at Psalm 96, verse 1. What's it tell you to do? Does it tell you to sing an old song? It says sing a new song. Psalm 98? Sing a new song. You know, you can't get so obsessed with being old school. Did I make the point that I'm old school? Okay, you understand we're not bringing in skinny jeans and rock bands? Purple lights, okay? Don't have to beat that thing every week, do I? (laughs) I'm sorry, but we just got another generation coming up, and I'm really trying to get something into people's heads. Who knows, I might get hit by a truck tomorrow. I don't want you bringing in some Fruit Loop in here and turning this thing because he's so obsessed with getting a bigger church that he doesn't care about your soul and find a rest for your soul. I care more about your soul than I care about having a bigger church. But you can't get so crazy on being old school that you aren't willing to understand that not everything that's new is bad. I got one of these cars that you start it from the kitchen. (laughs) Anybody feel the chill in the air lately? Man, about two more months, that's a huge blessing. That is not old school. You understand what I mean? Ain't nothing wrong with that. I used to preach against heated seats because I was jealous. So if you go back and listen to my old messages, just understand Pastor's grown a lot since then, okay? I ain't jealous no more. I think heated seats are a blessing from God, especially if you live in Michigan in the winter, amen? Amen. Not everything new school is wrong. You can't swing so far the other way that you get this closed-minded mentality and you just absolutely constantly push back on everything new. That is a great way to tell the younger generation, listen, we're just block-headed idiots and we don't care about nothing, no common sense, no Bible, nothing matters because it's our way of doing things or no way at all. I think there's a failure in that. You know that Bible tells you to sing a new song? You guys remember last week I talked to you about that real, I read the lyrics to a really good song from the pulpit. No problem with the lyrics, right? And then I told you the author. Do you know the author wrote that song before he came out as a homo? Kind of messy, ain't it? That's the culture you're living in. The point I was making last Sunday, by the way, later, once he came out, then he goes and he writes an album mixed with the two, don't tell me who to love, but then also talking about the cross and he's bringing Christianity, the homosexual communi- community, emerging the homosexual community with Christianity. And here's the point I was making last week. You've got Christians all over this country welcoming him into their churches at this point, knowing what he is and supporting him and letting him sing his songs. You've got Christ- churches all over this country still listening to his songs, knowing the source from which those songs came. What I'm trying to tell you is that you can't match a guy like that up to Fanny Crosby. You can't match a guy like that up to Martin Luther. You can look at their lives and you can judge, excuse me, yes, you can judge according to the Bible. He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. You can judge where the source of that thing came from and knowing your soul whether or not this is right or wrong, something's there. So when it comes to accepting new things, it's very important that we slow down a little bit and say, okay, where's the source of this? You know, there's three different types of songs when you're told in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 to be filled with the Spirit, right? 
Speaking to yourselves, the first hint and how to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You know, some of you young people in this room may have a gift to be able to write music. You may be able to write music. You may be able to write a song. I know some people right now today that love Jesus Christ, believe the King James Bible, rightly divide the word of truth, know what good music is, and write Christian music and sing it. You can't say, oh, because it's not old, it's not good. Well, don't give me that stuff. He said right there to write a new song. I sing a new song unto the Lord. So it doesn't necessarily mean just because it's new that it's not okay. Here's the argument. Now watch where this goes. Okay, so then... If you, have to, you can't sing anything new, it's got to be out of the hymn book, then where do we draw that line at? Because at some point, that hymn book in your lap, those songs were written. Some of them were the 1800s. They were new. Where are you drawing that line? You're making yourself God. I mean, what are you, what are you looking at when you flip past the book of Malachi? What testament is it? Oh. You mean God, well, it's 2,000 years old. It wasn't when it was wrote. You see, what, you see how it gets messy? When you become bigoted and ridiculous? I mean, you might as well be primitive Baptist. Put an axe to the piano and get it out of here. We're only going to sing a cappella. Where do you draw the line? Not everything new is bad. What are you? I mean, are you saved this morning? So, so what happens when you get saved? You become a what? 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, you got a new man in you. Guess what else you got? An old man. Not everything new is bad. Which is better, the old man or the new man? The new man. So when he tells you to sing a new song, and you look at Psalm 96, he says to sing a new song, guess what he's telling you? He's telling you, hey, listen, I, God, am doing something new. If you look at Psalm 97, 98, 99, and 100, what you realize is you're in the millennial kingdom where Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning on this planet. And let me tell you something. When he sets up his kingdom and when he puts all sin down and he puts the curse at a hold and he gets this thing restored and renewed, I'm telling you, we're going to be singing. We're going to be shouting. We're going to be rejoicing. We're going to be singing a new song that God is in. It ain't going to be some Baalite worship. We'll show you a little bit about that this afternoon. It ain't going to be some mixture of fornication and Jesus Christ, which is exactly what you got when you mix rock and roll music with Christian music. You got a leopard. You got an antichrist. You, can't, you cannot mix rock with Jesus Christ. They don't mix. If it gyrates your body before it speaks to your heart, something's wrong with it. We ought to sing a new song. Do you know what you're told in your Bible? You're told to be renewed. You're told to be renewed in 2 Corinthians 4.16 in the inward man. You're told to be renewed in your spirit in Ephesians 4.23. You're told to be the new man in Colossians 3.10 is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You know what it ought to be every day for you when you're walking with Jesus Christ? I'm talking about the old time religion. I'm talking about the old book, the old blood, the blessed hope of Jesus Christ, those old hymns. Hey, they ought to be new to you when you're singing them. I'm telling you this morning, just because I'm singing victory in Jesus a oh, thousand
thousand times in my life doesn't mean I stop getting goosebumps on me. Doesn't mean it stops being fresh in my soul. Doesn't mean it stops ministering to me. It's like sometimes, hey, listen, when God's in it, when God's speaking to me, when I'm singing to God, it feels like the first time I ever sung it. It feels like a new song, man. You can't stand back there and start crying on the song you sung a thousand times because the Spirit of God gets in it and tell me that oh, that's just old hat. How's that working in your marriage? Hello? You ought to stick with the old one, right? Stick with the one you married. You got to make it new. It's got to be refreshed. You know what I see in these, these chapters? A few reasons why you and I ought to be renewed in our spirit. We ought, to, we ought to see this thing as something new. Notice, first of all, because of the strength of your God. We got a strong God, and I'm telling you, I'm thankful for that. You see His strength in creation. Look at 96 verses 11 and 12. You know what the creation's doing? The creation's rejoicing in the millennial kingdom because of God. The Bible tells you that the heavens are rejoicing, that the hills are rejoicing, that the waves are rejoicing. It's in 96, 11, and 12. It's in 97, verses 1 through 6. You see all creation rejoicing at the fact that its creator is ruling and reigning on this planet. 97, verses 1 through 6, 98, 7, and 8. All the way through there, you see creation. Hey, listen, I'm talking about the hills, the heavens, the waves, the mountains, the trees clap their hands when God Almighty says, sits on that throne. This is the same creation you're sitting on right now, renewed by the Spirit of Almighty God when Jesus Christ sets up His kingdom in, the, in, the, in Jerusalem. That's a powerful thing. I mean, do you want to stop and think about that? You guys realize, do you realize the strength of your God? I, that's, why, that's why I believe in the old-time religion. I don't, think, I don't think the modern day stuff actually does for your soul what the preaching of that book will do for your soul. I don't care if preaching is out of date. I don't care if they say preaching is not relevant. I don't care what they're saying about it. Listen, the God that wrote that book still knows your psyche. He knows your mind. He knows your heart. He knows your need. He knows every thought, every trial, every problem, every issue. He knows every little kink you got in your brain, every little kink you got in your soul. He knows everything that's happened to you and everything you've done and he wrote that book to minister to your soul he's the creator of heaven and earth you think he can't keep a book man I was sitting out there in the back porch yesterday with Anna and my wife were there and we're talking and we got interrupted I hate being interrupted I like to interrupt but I don't like being interrupted we got interrupted be quiet, Brian. We got interrupted by a chickadee. I'm dead serious. It wasn't, it wasn't like, a, you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. It was like this thing kept singing so loud, it was interrupting our talking. And my wife said, oh, look at my theater, look at the bird. And I'm staring at her, she's flipping out over the bird. And I just finally got with it, you know, and I looked and I'm like, man, you know the thing singing? That just happened. That's happenstance. Some dust particle blew up. The dumbest thing you ever heard in your life, man. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Well, it's pretty cool sitting out on the front porch and we got these, these flowers, three flowers sitting out there in big vases, you know. And the little hummingbirds come in. You sit there and you watch one of those things. 
You know how many times per second their wings beat? You know what they weigh? You know how they're made? Have you ever looked them up? You've got to occupy your mind with something pretty interesting and cool. Look up a hummingbird. What a, what a wild thing, man. God Almighty did that. Did you guys know that, the, how many of you knew that there's kangaroos that actually climb trees? They live in the trees like monkeys. <laughs> you know there's actually wild dogs that climb trees like a cat? They got long claws and they climb a tree like a cat? You realize how much is out there that you and I know nothing about? What a world you're living in, man. A sun rising this morning. Setting at night. Coming back up in the morning. What a powerful God. And boy, when he shows up, the creation has more sense than most of the Christians and churches all over this country nowadays do. They're clapping their hands, they're rejoicing, they're moved at the presence of Almighty God. I mean, that ought to put a new song in your heart. That's the same old doctrine. I, don't, I didn't give you any new doctrine. The Creator, that's new. That's Genesis chapter 1, man. That's nothing new. Well, that ought to put a new hot song in your heart. You know why? Because that God that's strong enough to make creation, guess what else He did? Look at Psalm 100, I think it's verse 3. Is that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture? He made you. He made you. God's strength in creation. He creates the, 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 the trees, the grass. I mean, you, the breath in your lungs was given to you by God. You realize originally, originally, when God made Adam and Eve, they were made in his image, right? Right? God made man in his own image, and the image of God created him. Male and female created he them, right? Guess what you were made in? You were made in Adam's image. That's a weird thing because you were made in Adam, not God's image, Adam's image. You're procreation. Creation is what God did personally. That's a son of God because he did it personally. Adam was a son of God. That's why the fallen angels, we'll look at some of that this afternoon, are sons of God. Because he created them directly. So just because it refers to the sons of God doesn't mean they're saved. It was a direct creation from God. He directly created those angels and they fell, so they're sons of God. So that's why when he created you, he said, The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Why? Because those sons of God, when they fell, it was a one-way ticket. So he didn't want you to be stuck forever in a sinful state, so he has your body die. That's a blessing, man. So you're created in Adam's image. You're not created in God's image. You came in Adam's image. You've got a sin nature. But the, the first time you ever breathed, that was God's breath. Because life comes from God. That's a wild thought. And then he says, you're dead in trespasses and sin. When, sin. when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So those kids, it looks like they're born with eternal life. What happens when a baby dies? They go straight to heaven. They're under, innocent. They're under innocence. But when they get to the age of accountability where they know right from wrong and choose wrong anyhow, they die spiritually. Then guess what happens? 
Somebody comes along and gives you the gospel of Jesus Christ and the light of the glorious gospel, which is the image of God, shines in unto you and the Spirit of God starts to convict your heart and you, you respond to that conviction, you respond to the Bible preaching, you respond to the gospel and the Spirit of God quickened you who were dead in trespasses and sins. It's a new birth. To them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. There's a creation inside of you that came from God if you're saved. Boy, that's a blessing, man. You get over, have you gotten over being saved? Yeah, if you had, you need to get right with God. I'm serious. I don't care. Well, I was saved when I was young, and I wasn't a big drug addict, so I'm not as happy about it as all the people with cool testimonies. Where'd you hear that garbage? What idiot put something like that in your mind? Because it was not the Spirit of God. I got saved one month before my fifth birthday, and it still stirs my soul whenever I get right with God. I mean, it puts a new song. There's nothing new about it. Almost 40 years now I've been saved, and man, it's still new when I get right with the Lord. It's a blessing to be saved, man. It shows his strength. Man, the strength of God puts a new song in my heart. He's strong enough to create this world. He's strong enough to save me and you. What a blessing for that, man. Look at something else. God's strong enough to preserve us. Look at Psalm 97, verse 10. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Man, I'm glad I got a strong God. What a blessing for that. I mean... If I had to keep my salvation, I don't know how spiritual you are. I don't know how much victory you're walking in every day of your life. But if I had to keep my own salvation, I couldn't do it. I was in a particularly bad mood yesterday. Thank God I woke up on the right side of the bed today. But I was in a bad mood yesterday. I was having one of those days. You understand what I'm saying? I think I asked God to forgive me at least 20 times yesterday. I'm like, Lord, I have to preach in the morning. And I'm like... It's not right. It's, brother, look, I know you're a jiu-jitsu guy. It's not right to want to hit, rip another grown man's head straight off because he caught you off in the car. That's just ridiculous. Don't be that way. I was yesterday, but don't be today. It's like terrible. I'm like, oh, I'm like, God, please forgive me. I cannot believe I got that mad at that guy like because he didn't let me in. Like, are you kidding me? How old are you, Reagan? Like, it was that bad. Man, I am so... Sorry, I shouldn't be that real with you, should I? You do the same thing when you're in a bad mood, okay? So please. Man, I'm so glad I don't have to keep it. I'm so glad he preserves me. You know what I'm, you know what I'm thankful for? Literally, literally, I mean this from my heart. More and more as time goes on, I thank God for keeping me safe from me. I think my biggest enemy is not the world and not the devil. I think I'm my biggest enemy. Man, if it wasn't for God, do, do you guys, does anybody ever like notice the disconnect when they sing before I preach? <laughs> no, I mean, it's the same spirit, but it's kind of like a disconnect. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like sweet and comforting and beautiful, and then there's like me, <laughs> you know, I hate that guy. Man, if it wasn't for God, do you think I'd know how to raise girls or keep a marriage together as long as we've made it? There's, there, there's no way. And, and you know what? You wouldn't either. God's been good to us, folks. I'm thankful for a powerful God. I'm thankful he can preserve his people. Do you know it's God that's kept this church together? I was thinking about it walking in here, watching those kids run around and play. 
Man, God, you're good. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning this morning, and I was laying there in bed, and I just decided to get up. I think if I'd have stuck it out, I'd have gone back to sleep in 20 or 30 minutes or so, but I just decided to get up because you know what? The first, I don't know where it came from. First thought in my head is I wonder how many people in our church got saved in our church. So I went and I got my prayer list out, and I highlighted everybody I know, and I got to ask two or three of you, and a couple aren't here today, but I'm, I'm pretty sure a couple more. I came up with over 50 people in this church right now that were saved in this church. Man, what a blessing. And then I thought, well, I wonder how many came to our church just as baby Christians. And I went through and I counted that. Over 50 people that I would say are just, were just like brand new. You know, who, you know who does that? You are not looking at them, man. I ain't got the sense to do that. You know, when I got called to preach, everybody told me, don't be a pastor. I'm not kidding you. Everybody said, Mike, that's great. We really believe God's probably called you to preach because you are such a big mouth and you'll tell anybody anything you think they need to know even if they're going to shoot you dead. Literally, that, that was like obvious. They said, be a missionary or an evangelist. Don't be a pastor. You don't have it. To which I said, amen, you're right. <laughs> you know what God does? God chooses the least likely to confound the lies and to make the... To make the, make the Make the whole world go, wow, I mean, I guess that just has to be God. I'm glad we got a God that can preserve us. I'll guarantee you this, I'd be real good at splitting a church, but I wouldn't be real good at trying to keep one together. Man, thank God for God. I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm trying to be the best pastor I can. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. I'm not making an excuse. I'm telling you, I'm the least likely candidate, and I mean it from the depths of my soul. I'm the le- it's God that's preserved this place. I'll never forget when COVID hit. I was just, I don't know, I was just starting to panic for a while. I thought, man, this ain't good. I wonder how many people are even going to come back. I feel like I did the right thing. I got a lot of counsel. I did a lot of praying. I feel like I did the right thing to shut down for a little while. I don't care what your political view is on it at this point, and it's really neither here nor there because it was years ago. But I think I did the right thing. It was my responsibility if somebody came under pressure from preacher to be there and got sick and died. So I don't really take into account people's criticisms of that decision because they don't have that responsibility. But I'd feel responsible for that. I remember panicking, man. And then I uh, got to a point where I just said, God, you're either in it or you're not. You know what God did? God brought us through it. And the church is doing better than it was before. I know a lot of churches wound up closing their doors. Man, ain't God good. I'm thankful that we got a God that preserves his people. I'm thankful for something else about God. It's a new song in my heart, but it's an old message. I'm thankful for God's holiness. Look at Psalms 96, verse 9. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted, I'm sorry, that's 97, 96, 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of what? Holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Worship the Lord in beauty of holiness? You know what, you know what holiness is? It's a beautiful thing. Think about this with me for a second. You know what's wonderful about grandma and grandpa? Yeah, that's the look I expected. I'm telling you, I wish people knew my grandma. I'm talking about old school grandma. 
I'm not talking about modern day grandma who thinks she's 25 and is trying to attract men like she's still 25. <laughs> trying to keep up with the kids, trying to be cool, trying to be hip, posting selfies that are obviously doctored up. <laughs> Don't you get to a point in your life where you're worth a little bit more than that? And a couple of wrinkles and gray hair don't define you. You're not defined by your looks anymore. You know what's attractive about grandma and grandpa? It's the purity of their love. They don't want nothing out of you. They just want your time and attention. They want your love. They want you to stop by and say, hey, don't you forget about your grandma now. My grandma was four foot nine and three quarters. We all knew four foot nine and three quarters. I don't know, maybe because the cutoff mark of midget is four foot nine or something, but she was always those three quarters mattered, you know. <laughs> Little Italian woman. And she was as big around as she was tall. She had, Grandpa was the health addict, you know, and he was, you know, he thought he was healthy. He was steak and potatoes and steak and potatoes and steak and potatoes, but he thought he was healthy because he didn't have any sugar. And so Grandma would hide, she, was a, she loved sugar. She was a sugarholic, you know. She would hide candy bars in the drawers underneath the pads because she knew Grandpa was never going to go in the heating pads for cooking. That was never going to happen, so she hid them under that. They were everywhere. She stashed them all over the place. She had a thing hanging up. Most of you heard it before, forgive me, but a little paddle hanging up. It had a cardboard handle under it. And it was wrapped in pink fabric with flowers on it and a padded pillow for where the, it was a paddle, you know, a pillow for the paddle part, big cushy paddle with lace all the way around it with the pink linen and hearts and in the center a little white heart and stitched on there was said grandma's paddle there's just she she wouldn't hurt you man she wouldn't hurt anybody i just remember she wouldn't say she wouldn't say a bad word about anybody grandpa was uh some, some people think they're abused nowadays grandpa was pretty abusive I cussed her out, cussed her up one side, down the other, called her all kinds of stuff, used racist terms towards her because she was Sicilian and he was Northern Italian. I mean, he was just, just terrible to her. Northern Italians don't like the Sicilians, just so you know. He was terrible to her, terrible. I never heard her say a bad word about that man. She'd tell us, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. There's something about, there's something about, Holiness. There's something about like I'm talking about. I'm not. It's not always. You don't always have to think about the immorality. You know the sexual stuff that applies for sure. But what about just like there was nothing about her spirit that I remember. I know she was a sinner. You know we immortalize people once they die. But I'm telling you the truth. She was a sweetheart, man. There's something about that spirit, that clean spirit. That's just like yeah, I got a lot to be bitter about. She hit the newspapers when she was a kid growing up in Detroit because her mom abandoned her and her dad and they had like eight kids or something, all of her siblings. Her mom abandoned them and run off with a guy. That was back in the day where that was like, <gasps> Detroit News. She was a little girl, scarred her for life. And she was just as sweet as they come. You understand what I'm talking about, holiness? There was never sarcasm in her. Sarcasm's okay. Somebody that's excessively sarcastic, there's a bitterness there. They're belittling. Excessive sarcasm. You know, you ever get around guys that are always sarcastic? Something's wrong with you, man. I don't think you're funny. She, she, there was none of that in her. It was attractive. I, it was beautiful. I, do you, I, can I use the word attractive and beautiful without everybody thinking perverted? 
You understand what I'm talking about? The beauty of holiness? I just would love, I just love, she'd say, it's time to get our exercise. You want to walk to the mailbox with me? <laughs> say, sure, Grandma, we walk to the mailbox and walk back to the house. She'd walk a quarter mile to Dairy Queen when they lived in Garden City to walk off the ice cream cone. We can walk it off on our way back. Don't work that way, Grandma. <laughs> Ain't been working, but she felt better about it because she got her exercise. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about holiness. Do you know what God is? God is holy. Do you know what you want? I'm telling you, you don't realize this. But you know what you really want? You want to be clean. Did you hear what I said? Your flesh doesn't want it. She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. God says when you're enjoying it and you're living it up and you're into all that sin and all that secret sin and you're doing all dabbling with all that stuff you shouldn't be dabbling with, I'm telling you, you're miserable. I am so grateful that I have a holy God. His holiness puts a new song in my heart because when I open up the mirror of his word and I see all the filth and all the dirt on me as compared to the beauty of his holiness, I say, God, whatever doesn't match you, would you please get it off, God? Whatever doesn't match you, get it off. That don't look like him and that don't look like him and that don't look like him. Get it off. And boy, the more you get transformed into that image and strive to be transformed into that image, the more joy you'll get in your heart. I'm talking about an old school doctrine, an old school holiness. It'll put a new song in your heart, man. I think we're so miserable today because we're so inundated with sin, we don't even recognize our own sinfulness. Look at Psalm 97, verses 7 and 8. Talking about a holy God, He's holy in judgment. Confounded be all they that serve graven images that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. You see that? All ye gods with a small g. You guys realize that the time is coming when the devils are going to bow at the feet of Jesus? You know, it says that all things in heaven and in earth and under the earth. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And filthy, unclean, godless, depraved spirits that, by the way, aggravate and agitate every person in this room. I'll show you some stuff this afternoon about the demon Gadara you might not want to know. Them unclean spirits, unclean spirit. Ain't that weird? Unclean spirit. Them unclean spirits that agitate and aggravate every person in this room. They're going to come up and they're going to bow down at the feet of Jesus Christ and they're going to say, your Lord and give God glory before they're cast off into hell for eternity. Every godless, depraved individual filled with these spirits, filled with all the sin, filled with the filthiness, filled with all their idolatry and witchcraft and fornication and adultery and sodomy and all the rest of the filthiness that goes on, unspeakable things that happen, hey, that are being justified and told to you that they're right and that you're the devil, public enemy number one if you say it's sin. Every one of them will bow to Jesus Christ whether they believe in him or not right now. They will one day. When they see his holiness and his holiness gets into gear, boy, you better be on the right side of that one, man. 
Verse 8 in Psalm 97, Zion heard and was glad. <laughs> it was God's people. And the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. Man, I'm glad I got a God that can judge the sinful filthiness of this world and the ungodliness of depraved religion. Look at 98 verse 9. He also judges the world's system before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. You got all these people talking about equity all the time. You, ever, you ain't never seen a more confused bunch of nuts in your life talking about equity. It's, a, it's the most hilarious just garbage, man. That whole thing started way back there, you know, women's rights. Now, relax. Everybody breathe in your nose and out your mouth. It's okay. If I haven't offended you already, you'll probably make it to the end. The whole women's rights movement. Now, stop and look back on that stuff. They're brainwashing your kids with this. This is now history. This is all they're learning. Now, now stop for a second. Equality, equality, equality. How did God wire you? Does anybody care? How did God wire a woman? You ever notice in the curse? He tells the woman part of the curse. Your desires towards your husband. <laughs> That's part of the curse. Why? Because you're, 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 a woman desires that man to be her head and to protect her and provide for her in a pure, holy, godly way for life and to be a good husband and a good father to her kids. It's internaturally. And this world's trying to stomp all that out of you and women are more miserable now than they ever were before. It's rough. It's rough. It's a tough position to be in, but it's part of the way you're wired. You're not getting away from it. It's part of the curse. So what they're trying to do is say, get the curse off of us. So now you've got an entire generation learning how to make money without working. Y'all can get your YouTube going, you know. You can get whatever else going. You get to play around all the time and be an idiot with your life. Just an idiot. Just a moron. And you can make all this money. God said you're supposed to work by the sweat of your brow. That's, that's what God intends for you. You don't get to get away from that, fellas. Any more than the women get to get away with it. So they go through it and they do all this stuff and then they make everybody equal, right? Now just watch this. This is something everybody misses. Everybody misses it. We're going to make it all equal. We're going to everybody equal rights. We're not all equals. When those lights pop on behind me, I pull over. I'm not his equal. He is my boss. Yo, just, you're not going to tell me what to do. Yeah, see how that works for you. They will always get you in a cell if they want you in a cell. You can't stop them. You understand that? They're trained to get you there. They'll call backup. You know, the old school days weren't so bad, to be honest with you. A lot of guys didn't go back once they had their head put through the hood of the car. But anyways... Oh, and I told you I'm going to offend you, so I mean, I'm trying hard. So I mean, you're doing too good this morning, I guess. We've got to up the ante. I'm not saying they should beat people and abuse people, but if you're resisting arrest, he wants to go home to his wife, he's got a right to go home to his wife. Amen. I don't care if it's PC or not. It's true. Back to the point. So you know what's happening now? Men are becoming women and beating women at their own game, pun intended, Yeah, you're going to get around God's system, huh? You bunch of fools. Not you, not you. People that think that stuff's all right. That's how men are, ladies. That's exactly how they are. They claim they're a man and walk into your locker room or your bathroom. 
and now you can't stop them. I'm t- what I'm trying, the point that I want you to get, whether you like what I'm saying or not, really doesn't matter to me. The point that I want you to get is this. God is the one that understands equity. God will always be fair. He will always do right. And my heart rejoices in the fact that God knows what He's doing and will take care of things. Even if God doesn't judge every day, God will judge one day, and I can trust in that. And it puts an, it renews my heart, boy. I'm one of these that I, don't, I can't stand seeing injustice. I hate injustice. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I realized not long ago I wound up in a lot of trouble in high school. I got suspended at least three times, almost kicked out, and I got in more trouble. I got into a lot of trouble. You know what I realized? It hit me recently. My problem was I, was, I, I believed too much in justice. My justice. Not saying that's right. Not saying I was even right every time. I'll never forget sitting across from that desk with the principal sitting there and like, Mike, I don't understand why you don't get this point. When you are upset about something, when somebody's done something to you or whatever that's wrong, come to us. You understand that? Come to, why don't you get it? Come to, we will take care of it. I'm just like, I remember looking at him and intellectually understanding the words he was speaking, but like, he didn't do it to you. Why would I come to you about it? I told him not to touch me. He said, what are you going to do about it? I showed him what I was going to do about it. I don't understand what we're talking about. It aggravates me to see injustice. It aggravates me to know that some people are on the loose that destroyed somebody else's life, manipulated them with their evil, evil brilliance, and get off scot-free while somebody else has to live a life that's forever scarred by some fool. That drives me nuts. I'm glad I got a God. I can say, Lord, I got to get this off my chest. This world's messed up. It's jacked up. It's wrong. I'm sick of seeing it. And I know you're going to fix it. So you're God and I'm not. And you're long-suffering and patient. Please help me learn to be more like you. All of a sudden, I go from being so aggravated about what's on the news to being renewed in my spirit and thanking God I'm alive today. Hey, God's in control. He's got it figured out. He's a God of justice. He is a holy God. He knows what he's doing. I got no right to tell him when. I'm just glad he'll fix it. And in the meanwhile, I want his hand on me for him to use me. Which brings me to my last point, something that's new. And it's an old school doctrine. But it renews me. God answers prayers. Look at Psalm 99, verse 6. Moses and Aaron among his priests, Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord and he answered them. Look at verse 8. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God, thou wast a God that forgavest them though thou tookest vengeance on their inventions. You see that? He's a God of judgment and justice and holiness. He took his vengeance on their inventions, but when they called on him, he answered them, and he forgave them. Man, ain't it great to have a God that hears and answers prayer? You need a new doctrine? You need something new this morning? You need to tell us something new. Show us something out of the Bible about demonic spirits that we didn't know before. Okay, well, it's all in the Bible. We'll study some of it this afternoon. But really, you need something new? How about being renewed? 
How about getting an answer to prayer, a fresh answer to prayer that you haven't gotten in a long time? How about the fact that Almighty God has got the power to give His people the victory, Psalm 100, and to have His people enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise and be thankful in Him and bless His name? Hey, we're His people. We're the sheep of His pasture. I want something this morning. I want something from God. I want something tomorrow morning fresh from God. I'm glad I got a shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who knows how to feed me and take care of me. I'm telling you, he knows how to feed you. The problem is not the food. And the problem is not the shepherd. The problem is the sheep. Always wanting to tell God how he's going to work and wanting God to do it their way, wanting something new. Why don't you just open up the the old black book? Why don't you just get back on your knees in an old-fashioned, personal, private prayer meeting and say, listen, God, you're God, and I need something today from you. Hey, if God answers a prayer today, ain't that something new? You know what God can do? God can answer prayer. I'm telling you, man, I, you, would, you don't have time. If I start right now, I'll run us way over time, and I'm wanting to stop. I'm telling you, I've seen God answer prayers, boy. I've seen God. A friend of mine called after he started a church, said, I need $40,000. That's what he said. I need $40,000, brother. I said, well, if you can't pray $40,000 in, you need to quit right now before you even get started. Like, seriously, $40,000 is the problem? You're telling me you can't pray in forty grand? Have a nice day. We'll see you later. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. I told you last week, I'll tell you again, I'm not a charismatic preacher. I'm not talking about that. I'm telling you there is a God in heaven that answers prayer. George Mueller figured it out. He set them kids down at his orphan home at the table and with no food, pray and thank God for the food, knowing that God's going to bring it in with no food on the table. All right, you guys sit down. It's time for lunch. God, we thank you for providing this food and we know that you're going to provide and we ask you to bless it when you do. Somebody knocks on the door, back in the wagon up, there's a whole bunch of food for the kids just like that. I'm talking about a God that can answer prayers. You're worried about the economy? You're stressed out about your struggles? You got sin issues, anybody? Don't raise your hand. Sin issues you've been dealing with? Your life falling apart? Hey, listen, something new for you this morning. Just something, you ought to try it. I'm telling you, God's people aren't doing it anymore. I'll give you something new. It's called an old-fashioned prayer closet. Hey, God hears and answers the prayers of his people. And then we wonder why we're dried up. I wonder how many of you have slipped in your prayer life. I'm glad God's merciful. He shows us that in 98.3. He hath this remembered the mercies. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. He's a merciful God. And he's a God of truth. You know what that does? That renews my heart. I'm going to close down. I got a little more for you, but I'm going to skip it for now. Look at chapter 100. Look at verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. Wait a second. His truth endureth to all generations. Sing a new song. Right? An old truth that endures. It was forever established in heaven. 
He's dispensing out to them a little bit at a time, dispensations. He's giving them a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and more is coming in the future. But watch it now. How do I know if I'm okay with the new thing I accept? You judge it by the truth. You follow me? You judge it by the truth. Does it line up with the book? Is it Bible? You know what we need to be doing? We need to be on our knees begging God for truth. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. If God opens up the truth to you this morning, you know what's going to happen? He's going to show you stuff about yourself you didn't know about you. Yep, and it all comes grinding to a halt. He's going to point out to you all the places that you ain't like Jesus. It's truth. You want truth? He's going to show you where you need to change. Well, I know, but the problem is I kind of like what I'm doing. That's what I thought. I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at. That's what I thought. I'm good. I'm dabbling with my sin just enough to get a little pleasure out of it, but not so much as to take over my life. I'm good. That's what I thought. And that's why you don't got a new song in your heart. That's why you're miserable. That's why you're not going to go anywhere. You want truth? I want truth. I want truth. Dr. Peacock's coming in a couple of weeks. We've been announced that. You know why I love him? You know why I appreciate him? You know why I, he, he let, thank God he let me in his life, but I kept him in my life? You know why? Because he's always told me the truth about me. He said to me more than once, okay, we're going to find out whether or not we're friends. I said, all right, shoot. You're the problem. Okay, how? Ouch. Ouch. That's a friend. That's a friend. That's somebody who's been in that book and knows what it's like to have God correct him and say, God, when you correct me, you're right and I'm wrong. Make me a new man. What man are you following, the old man or the new man? If you're following the new man, you got a song in your heart. If you're following the old man, you're messing it all up. And you got a strong God in heaven who can give you the victory in your life. I don't care what you got going on. He can give you the victory. And he loves you and he's holy. And on top of his holiness and on top of his strength, he's a God that answers your prayers. So do you think this morning, if you come down here, if you got the guts to do it, humble yourself? Or sit there in your pew and humble yourself and ask God to put a new song in your heart and renew you in your mind and get you excited about your faith again and get you walking with Jesus Christ like you should and clean you up? Do you think he won't answer that prayer? I'll tell you what, how about you try it? Stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. If the Lord's speaking to your heart, why don't you give it a try?